Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm the Sly Dog, and joining me today is a good buddy of mine, Luke Molzer of Grift Octopus. Is that how you say it? Yes, it is. Uh, okay, fantastic. Like a griffin and an octopus had a baby. Okay, I was thinking it was like grift, like as in a grifter. <laughs> I was thinking much more. No, no. no. See, I, I've, I've had that. It's cool because everyone kind of had, reads it in slightly different ways and makes different interpretations out of it. So... <laughs> I just I like I like that it's a mythical beast. I like that I like that a little bit better actually because like my thought was the Grift octopuses you know, and for those of you listening, go listen to the album on Spotify or try and get a physical copy somehow. Go to a show if you can if you're in Nebraska. Um, I'm actually uh, out of physical copies. I need to print some more. <laughs> There's a bit of a dark undercurrent to the record, and I thought maybe the Grift octopus was a, like a metaphor for like maybe the depression. <laughs> so that's what I kind of thought. Grifting octopus. Do you, I mean, you're not wrong, actually. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I think you're the first person to actually kind of get that. Like, that's, <laughs> that's very much, um, and, uh, and the, I don't know if you followed my, my kind of Instagram campaign. There's I, a lot to do with the gorilla yeah. suit. Yeah, I saw that. And, and the gorilla was more of a blatant metaphor for the, for the, the, the loomingness of mental illness and like, yeah. de- like for me, depression and anxiety. Yeah. And so that was very much a part of it. And, um, and the Grafactopus like is something that it takes that step even further. And it's sort of the, it's just this ambig- ambiguous metaphor for like my own pursuit for like identity in yeah. life. And so, yeah, your, your interpretation is really pretty spot on, especially on that album, what we were trying to do. Thank you. So that, that means a lot to me. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Me and Luke, we, we, we met each other at MI. Um, he was in the guitar program. I was just starting a music business, actually, at the time, I believe. And oh, okay. That's yeah, right. Both, like, had a love of early on, as I realized we both liked Linkin Park. We both liked, you know, some of the mid-2000s bands. And Linkin Park was a band that I could tell meant a lot to you. And that's I mean, why you're the yeah. perfect person to do this episode with. So where else is there to start other than how did you get into Linkin Park? How did it start for you? Okay, so, like, I mean, quite literally, Linkin Park is the reason I became a musician, and the reason that I, I think I truly discovered a deeper love for music, because um, I grew up in a evangelical Christian environment, listening to a lot of that, kind of, like, basically the contemporary Christian music, and whatever was on like the the Christian radio stations, and I still like I still had a bond with that. Like I definitely developed a attachment to it. But when I discovered Lincoln Park, it was it was so it was such a like new organic way of discovering music, and it was so different. Like it was it was you know screaming and heavy guitars and and like the rapping lyrics and lyrics that also felt more real to me than what I had been hearing. And like, I think, I think literally my first encounter with Lincoln Park was hearing lying from you on the radio. Mm. And like, like, cause 
I mean, even still today, like really radio and like that spontaneous discovery of music is how is like one of the best ways still for people to discover music where you're just like, wait, what was that song? Like that, that was crazy. And so like hearing line from you really did it. And I remember just like, I remember going to like a bowling alley for a friend's birthday party and putting that song on the, the uh, DJ, the, uh, <laughs> the record player, like four times in a row. And, <laughs> and, and that's, and that was the other thing too, is like, you know, most people discovered Lincoln park on hybrid theory. And yeah. I, I was just kind of out of touch with, I was really out of touch with how to discover music. So I didn't really seek out new music yet. And so I discovered them on Meteora. And when that album came out, I heard that song. And then at the time it was, you know, it was really before MySpace or anything even took off. So I just went online and I don't even remember how, like just started finding music videos and I just devoured like every Linkin Park music video that I could find and so discovered everything that was out for Meteora and Reanimation and Hybrid Theory. And that was essentially what got me going. And then I, I bought, bought Meteora, bought Live in Texas, eventually picked up Reanimation and Hybrid Theory, and then just like lived and breathed those records for a good couple of years. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was really like how I discovered Linkin Park and really started to understand true like a true connection to music nice yeah nice they were kind of your gateway drug to music that's, i like that i like that mm-hmm. and uh for me like i think i'm a little younger than you are i don't know exactly how much oh, i'm third i just turned 30 in june okay i'm 25 so there's about five years okay us. okay yeah okay. yeah but uh i you know i grew up unlike a lot of kids i wanted to listen to the par- music my parents were listening to like i love my dad's classic rock so for years I stuck to that, but it came to a point like, at one point I got into Green Day and they were the only band I was listening to outside of like classic rock. Mm-hmm. But even my dad liked Green Day, so I kind of decided maybe you know there's more to music than stuff that came out in the '80s. So what I started <laughs> doing is I started like channel surfing, like because early in the morning, like I know people you set like make the joke MTV no longer shows music videos. Well, mm-hmm. for a brief period in time, I, I think they've totally stopped it now. Is they would show them super early in the morning, yeah. um, at least in the time zone I was in, and I would like catch the Gorillas. I would catch, uh, I know some other newer bands. But the one, first one that really got caught me was I caught the video at the time for uh, what I've done, and I remember just being oh, yeah. blown yeah. away by the lyrics, Chester's voice, and like just how put together it was. Like I, I, I'm someone that like loves. I love guitar, but I love a, an electronic aspect to music, and that definitely had it. Like there's a little bit of scratching in there, and there's that piano mm-hmm. loop. Like it, I thought it was so cool. So my mom was going to Bismarck because I live where I grew up. The nearest music store was a 90 minute drive away. The nearest Walmart, Starbucks, McDonald's, whatever, 90 minute drive from where I lived. And she's like, "Do you want anything from Bismarck?" I'm like, "Can you pick me up the new Lincoln Park album? It's called Minutes to Midnight." So she said, all right. And she comes home and she's got hybrid theory. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Anyways, like I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear more Lincoln Park. So I remember putting that on and hearing paper cut and just being blown away. And then yeah. one step closer and that's one step clo- closer is super heavy. And with you, yeah. I'm just being like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, like it exactly. almost made me forget about what I've done. And it kind of did, because all I did that summer, I never bothered to get Minutes to Midnight. I loved Hybrid Theory so damn much. Yeah, yeah, I never bothered to get Minutes to Midnight. And that was like the soundtrack to that summer. 
But I kept up with the band after that. Like, I remember getting Dead by Sunrise as a new release and being really excited for that. Like, that's Chester's sideband, for those of you that don't know. And I love that record, too. Um, but they were kind of, they were the gateway into, like, music outside of my parents. And that's yeah, what started sure. the love for me. For sure. That was that was very much kind of how the process was for me. It was a gateway to so many things, to, like, just alternative music in general and metal and 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 as i've even realized now like that band uh i was just talking this morning with a friend about how that band really was a great intro it was they were a good gateway drug to music because they were experimenting with so many different things that it uh, it it helped shatter any discrimination I had against other kinds of music. So I got more into metal. I got more into hip hop. I got more into electronic yeah. music because of Linkin Park. Totally. I, I agree with that. Like I remember when I got Meteora being like Meteora, I think is a little heavier on the electronic side of things. Yes. Like, I especially agree. like, you know, a song like breaking the habits, you know, like I really love, like <laughs> I could listen to that song as an instrumental. The vocal is great and tears up my soul a little bit, but man, mm-hmm. I love how that song builds. Yeah. And nobody's listening. That was kind of my first real hip hop song. Like I remember <laughs> really being blown away by that. Like, whoa, this is on a rock record. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it for felt sure. like something you know that would be you know on a Jay Z album or something. For sure, to me at least. So yeah, it was definitely like a nice melting pot of styles. And I feel like you know when Mike started to sing, their voices actually complement each other really well. You know, yeah. not just as far as a rapper and a singer. Like as two vocalists, they complement each other really well. I think. Yeah. Definitely. Like, um, Mike's, you know, Mike really predominantly sings a lot more on Minutes to Midnight and then One More Light. And then, you know, uh, um, Hunting Party and Living Things. I'm trying to remember how much he sings. He sings a little bit on A Thousand Sons, but even that he is raps almost a little more. more that album, that's one of their almost most hip hop albums, I think. Is is uh, oh oh yeah, when they come songs. for me, uh, Wretched yeah. Kings. Those are almost straight hip hop songs. Yeah, yeah, and that that it's funny. Like A Thousand Sons was a really cool album because I I you know Minutes to Midnight was a huge like sort of breaking point for a lot of Linkin Park fans. It's kind of poppy. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's, like, a, it's a huge turn to yeah. towards a more cleaned up style of rock music. Yeah, but it's still very much like it still very much has all those elements. Like it's it's pop, it's rock, it's punk, it's hip hop, it's electronic. Like it's a still a very well rounded record. Yeah, like and like and and you really can hear like especially in what I've done, you can really hear the essence of Linkin Park's songwriting there. Yeah. And that really set the bar for where they were going to go from there. But I mean, basically, everyone got pissed off that they weren't making a heavy new metal record anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> and then, oh, man. and that's that's also like and at the time, you know, I was not. I was like, I had I had a hard time accepting that album at the time. And but I've since you know been able to really like now I I, I almost get more pissed off if a band doesn't change. Yeah, like that. Yeah, hence, I totally get that. The <clears throat> new skillet album. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, and um, oh, is that an Imagine Dragon in the corner? Oh God! Is that Imagine Dragons over there? Yeah. Oh God! Oh, what's oh, the, the, the swallowing John Cooper hole? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, one Skillet. thing I wanted to do, kind of like because I've made a lot of music, I kind of want to go through them all and just touch on each of them. 
That sounds good. Yeah. So let's start with let's start at the beginning. Let's start with hybrid theory. This was okay. my first one, so I might be a bit biased, but I don't think too much so because everybody seems to love this record. Um, I can't skip a goddamn song on this thing. I love them all. Paper cut yes. with you. Uh, Place for my head is was one of my favorites as a kid because that was the first time I heard someone scream on a song. When yeah. you just say, you try to take the best of me, go away. Like I, I remember just being like, whoa! Yeah. And I, I actually was just listening to that record like in the car earlier because um, I, I wanted to throw it on before this, and I just I just cranked it, like cranked the bass and just pumped that thing. It was just rocking out in the car. Yes. There's something, there's something still very euphoric and nostalgic about that record and Meteora for me. So. And, it, and it holds up. I feel like this record... You yeah. know, I was talking about my dad's music earlier. This is going to be our classic rock one day. Like, this, oh, these sure, guys, sure. Blink-182, Green Day, yeah. that's going to be our classic rock. And this album, yeah. you know, is one of the ones that we're going to look at. So. It's, it, it, is, it, it, is, it is quite, even objectively, is one of those albums that defined the early 2000s era of music, um, and especially rock music. And... Um, you know, not I guess not not to get too far ahead, but like you know, talking about you can't you almost can't talk about Lincoln Park without talking about Chester and Chester. Yeah. I mean, you, can't t- you can't talk about Lincoln Park without talking about Chester, and I think Chester will go down as as one of the defining like rock vocalists of our era. Oh, totally. And, you know, yeah. And it's it's kind and, of funny. Uh, like I was, it wasn't until this year I really started to see his influence on things. Like I remember when I got, I don't know if you've heard it, but. I got the Bring Me the Horizon album, Ammo. I remember getting that and, and listening to it. And even though like it doesn't totally sound like a Linkin Park record, there's a lot of songs where the, the feel is there, and I hear it in, in Ollie Sykes' voice. I hear it in the new Amity Affliction album. Like People like are, that actually grew up with this album are actually now making records. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to see, at least I think. Oh, yeah, and... and... I, I, I've started writing for my second album and I've really been doing a lot of deep diving into my, like what really influenced me. And uh, like, I keep saying like that for the first record I made was very much about proving myself that I could make, make a record. And now I'm really in a space where I'm like, sorry, I'm like really reanalyzing what made me love music and just like, kind of opening myself up to just that pure, again, just music fan joy. Of just, and like, like, and I've said, I've said over and over, it's like, yeah, you can, you can tell me all the reasons why you think Linkin Park sucks and yada, yada, yada. And like, I will not care at right. all. Right. That band means so much to me. So, um, but anyway, yeah, hybrid, hybrid, let's, let, let's stick on the album. Um, hybrid theory was, yeah, more so like I kind of reverse discovered it after yeah. a lot of other people did, but listening to it today, like you really can see, I really hear the, the like corn and rage against the machine influence. Oh, yeah. And then the way that they, I think really found a way to make it accessible. And they like, they put, they, they were like right at the pinnacle of the rap rock momentum and like new metal scene and they and so and like what's so cool about that album i think is that um i think listening to hybrid theory now i can really hear yeah i can hear what and i I actually found a a youtube video that was talking about the history of new metal and kind of what killed new metal and um you hear the the 
deep metal influences that were coming out of rap rock and, and new metal with stuff like corn and rage against the machine and uh, like coal chamber or system of a down. And then you hear the, I think, and I think you hear a kind of true appreciation for like the hip hop culture that maybe a lot of kids that were into metal didn't quite get. And, and then on the, on the, um, and so like, I think that the fusion of that was they found there's the, the grooviness of it that maintains its intensity that maintains its aggression is what I really noticed on that album now where it's like, it's a very, like you can really move your, move your head to that album and yeah, and because it's it's got the the rhythmic grooves of things that you find in hip hop, but that intensity and anger and frustration that you find in metal, and that's what I think is so powerful about that that first record about Hybrid Theory is that it really found a really cool way to fuse those two things that are both like I think hip hop culture and metal culture both are rooted in a lot of frustration with like mainstream society, so that they, there is a really strong like common frustration that unites them both. And that's why hybrid theory did so well. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And it was, it was something about that record, man, at that time, it was, it must've been the perfect storm. Like I said, I missed out on it. I was late to the game, but man, that set the stage for everything that was to come, including, including this Meteora. Yes. So I got, this was the third one I got. Um, I really dig this album. Like, I might like it a little more than Hybrid Theory, if only because of Burnout Factor on Hybrid Theory. Like, I still love Hybrid Theory, but, you know, I've heard Crawling and In the End a lot now. <laughs> but I love that the, this one's heavier on electronics. Um, I feel like Chester's vocals actually got more intense on this album. Hit the Floor, Breaking the Habit, uh, what you, like you said, Lying From You. Like, he's I, a little more screamy and in your face on this record. I, I think love he that. really... I think he really discovered i mean i think with any successful sophomore record too it's it's if you can show that you really found a confidence in your what you did on your first record but still are willing to challenge yourself and especially especially for chester like you know chester basically he he like auditioned for lincoln park when they after like kind of after they had gotten a record deal and i think they were looking for yeah yeah so chester when they because they used to be called zero right right and then before before they came became lincoln park and chester actually came up with the name lincoln park which is literally from the name lincoln park which is a a park in santa monica (laughs) (laughs) and um so chester came in and auditioned and i remember seeing some videos after he passed um where like rob is talking about watching some people in the the lobby who were like waiting to audition for Link Park and they, they could just hear Chester doing some of the things. They were just like, yeah. And they just laughed because they just knew, like they just could hear that voice and you're just like, yeah, there's no fucking way I can do what he's doing. And like, he's just, he's just such a pure talent. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I think hybrid theory, it was very experimental and the fact that, it, and what really makes that album work is that Mike is a true visionary and like Mike and Brad, like are kind of, they don't necessarily, I think, get as much of the clout of the band uh, they don't. Or, uh, they don't. because they because Chester really is the front man and the face for that band, yeah. and rightfully so. Um, but like, if you truly like, if you really know the music, you know, like that Mike <laughs> really is just a. 
I think he's a he's a true artist, and he just wants to craft things that are different and ch- and push himself. Yeah. And so, and so, I think with the success of Hybrid Theory, and then the experimentation that they did on reanim- reanimation, um, leading into Meteora, it was. And 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 do, do you know what Meteora is and how it got its name and all that? I don't actually. So, Meteora is the word is a. Uh, set of monasteries in Greece that are literally it's established on top of this like pinnacle rock and like so it's like you like if you you look at it and, it, and like it looks like like all it would take is one bad earthquake for this whole thing to just topple and it's pretty breathtaking to look at yeah and their whole philosophy with that record was like just that they wanted to make something that really could could be impressive in that way and that's where they got the name from. And that's why like the album artwork is all oh, yeah. sort of their, them working on, yeah, the liner notes and all that is this big mural that they did and they show it. I think it's really cool that they show it like not super well photographed, but they show the, the like behind the scenes process of it basically. Right. And so, yeah. And so that's, that was what really connected me with that album. Not, not to mention that it was also just the first kind of exposure to Lincoln park. And then, um, yeah, they, and so, yeah, I think they had, they found a confidence and then they were, they were trying to decide what they wanted to push themselves with on that record. And I know one of, like you had mentioned the, the electronic aspect and in the liner notes, they even say that they really wanted to push their sample game. Um, and so like, like the intro to, um, Somewhere I Belong, I, I think, oh, I, I guess it's, it's like, I love that song, yeah. And that intro is like a reverse loop of Chester playing something on an acoustic guitar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and I actually just, this the last summer when I was living up in uh, Norfolk and working on our album, uh, one of my, my producer's friends like really helped me actually understand sampling and electronic music production. So like that's kind of, I, well, I'll play around with that a lot more often and like, really understanding the craft behind that is really, has been really, really cool. So, but yes, like uh, Meteora, I think it, it, it opens up strong. It keeps it going. Like I remember like, and, and again, for a kid, you know, in middle school, hearing a song like somewhere I belong. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a power, like you can say whatever you want about the lyrical, like, poeticism of it like like if you're if you know who you're singing to hearing hearing someone passionately so like sing about wishing they had some place where they could feel like they can be themselves is a powerful message yeah like and sometimes you and sometimes the most powerful messages don't have to be the most like over the top poetic lyrics like sometimes you just have to be blunt about what you're feeling and that can have a powerful effect right and that's what i think that's what i think really was powerful about meteora right Sometimes, like, a simple message means more than a, like, kind of convoluted, hard to yeah. decipher one. And I agree, like, Somewhere I Belong will always be one of my favorite Linkin Park songs for that. It's one that stuck with me. Like, and like you said, I remember being in middle school and hearing that and feeling that, like, just in a deeper way than, you know, you feel certain songs. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, yeah. Before we go to the next one, I want you to hit on something because, like I said earlier, you're a bigger Linkin Park fan than I am. I've never heard Reanimation. I always assumed it was just a remix album, but now I'm starting to read like it was like a 
almost like a recreation or mashup? Like, can you explain that record to me? Here's here's my. I actually have an interesting story about reanimation. So, right. um, reanimation to me is from an era when remixing still meant something. <laughs> I because. I I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening in electronic music like right now and in the last oh, five yeah. years. But whenever I see like so and so's remix of something, I'm like, oh, so it's just the same song with a fucking straight bass drum on it. Like that's all <laughs> remixing fucking is anymore. Basically. Yeah. Like I think I think that when in that like era of when like Nine Inch Nails and the industrial movement was coming out, that's when remixing was really cool. And so I like two of my, my two favorite remix albums are Linkin Park's reanimation and then the Rammstein remix album. <laughs> I've never because heard that. that that's me. You've never heard that one. No, I've never heard of it. Like, so that that's going to, Oh dude. Oh dude. It's, it's hard to find. Cause I think they took it off a bunch of services, but the, just fine. The, the remix of uh, of Rosenrod and the remix of Sona are like way better than the originals in my opinion. Nice. And that was like like the thing that that I thought was is so cool about reanimation is it's it really is like you just said it's more of a reconstructing. It's let's let's take all the pieces apart and see how we can craft something completely different. So you have a song like Forgotten, yeah. which on Hybrid Theory is just a really hard-hitting rock yeah. song and on reanimation it's a urban hip-hop song and it's so cool it's like it's a completely different song except for like lyrically all the like, hooks are there so it i think i think that's and that's like i think that's a true remix and that's a, a truly cool way to reapproach your music and i kind of part, part of me kind of wishes they would have done that with um reanimate uh with meteora but yeah, so that's that's my I, I love reanimation and, and and there's 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 like I actually think that some of the reanimation tracks are better than the original hybrid theory tracks, mm. in just my personal opinion. But my um, reanimation story actually is the two years ago, the day the day Chester died, the day uh, we all found out that Chester died. Yeah. Um. I was doing I was doing a Solarion study, which is uh, you know a private medical study, and mm-hmm. I was I was basically locked up in a facility for ten days, being a, a medical guinea pig to make make money, and it was it was just so bizarre because I woke up that morning, hadn't been on Facebook, hadn't watched the news or anything. I just wanted to relax, and I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't listened to in a while is Reanimation, like, and I like just specifically really wanted to listen to that album. And so I went and sat in a chair, just kind of listened to that album. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And like the minute it was like, almost like the minute it got done and I, and I like went back to my bunk, I got, I, I saw, I had like a text message from my mom and I think maybe I'd opened up Facebook to see something. And it was just like all at once. It was like, yeah, Chester Bennington was found dead in his mind. And I was just like, fuck in a, and yeah. And it just, so it was like, like, like literally to just be reminded of like a childhood hero and influence and then to just turn around and just see that like the, the, the hardest thing about that whole thing was, and the whole, that whole process of grieving was to see someone who, to see someone who 
you found so much hope and, and, and whose music brought you through that very thing that, that ended up being their downfall is a really hard thing to grapple with. And it took like, it took me a, I think a good year or so to really let that process and like, and like, to just like, not like I, it, I, it was like I couldn't just stop listening to their music. It was like I had to almost like make myself listen to it and just embrace what had happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was that was a, a rough day. Wow. So that record clearly meant a lot to you. Then. That that's interesting. Yeah. That, those those three records really defined the defined my my kind of middle school high school years. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my Amoeba shopping list and pick up a copy because yeah, I'm yeah, dude. That now. Um, we yeah. won't spend too much time on this one, but uh, this was the second album I got by them live in Texas. Yeah, um, I still have a huge soft spot for this. I love live records, so I'll listen to this a lot. It's like, it's a it's a pretty it's a really good live record, and that actually may be that may actually be the first Lincoln Park record I actually purchased. Oh, really? Yeah, because huh. I might have. Because uh, again, you know what? You know what? You were talking about your mom buying Hybrid Theory instead of Minutes to Midnight. <laughs> yeah. I think I was at I was at the store and I was just looking. I was looking for. Oh, I was looking for Hybrid Theory. I had Meteora. I was looking <laughs> for Hybrid Theory. Found that record instead, and I think I bought it like by accident or thinking it was something different. And then I just started <laughs> listening to that and watching that live DVD. And then that live like watching that live yeah. DVD is what. Well, actually, watching that the DVD is what really made me want to play guitar. Like oh, yeah? it was like that, that was what it got me into music, and then like seeing, just seeing like how much like fun they were all having, and just Brad up there just like playing his big power chords and like rocking out. I was oh, like yeah. that, that I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, whatever they're doing, I want to do it. Like yeah. So that's that's yeah. Live in Texas was a, was a great record. It, it's an important one too. This one actually yeah. came from, I remember, so she knew I loved hybrid theory so much. My mom l- likes to go rummage sailing. Uh, there's a time of year when it happens in North Dakota, like I think around when the Indians do their uh, powwow. I hope, I hope I said that right. I don't want to offend anyone, but... Uh, you mean Native Americans? Native Americans, yeah. You uncultured... Uncultured bigot. swine, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just North Dakota. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I yeah, get it. Yeah. If, if there is a God, can you just smite that state for the love of God? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, no, she brought this home for me. And like, this was a nice little like companion piece to hybrid theory for me. So I love it. Yeah. I love the DVD. Um, she don't have a physical copy of minutes to midnight, but I've heard the record. Um, I'll just say, I'll just say this. Like, it's not one of my favorites still, but there's a lot of songs I love on it. I love Shadow of the Day. I really love Leave Out All the Rest. That song's taken on a whole new meaning to me. That's, that's, like, Leave Out All the Rest is, like, a really great, like, pop track. It is. Without, without really being, like, super, overly like, it's not pop. like, it's not, like, overly polished. Like, it's just, it's a good, like, I would almost consider it now, like, a synth pop track. Like, it's yeah. just, just a pop song that uses electronics, like, yeah. and, and, like, light guitar. It's really ahead of its time, too. Like, yeah, it, it could, it, 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 really it could have song. fit on One More Light, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, that song took on a lot of meaning for me. Like, I'll talk about it a little more later. When I, but when I lost my sister, it was, like, three months after Chester passed. So, mm-hmm. And then I remember, like, in December, they put out that One More Light live record, and that song's on there. 
And hearing that song again for the first time in a long time, like it really hit me, like how powerful the lyrics are and how fitting they are. Yeah. Like, remember the good times. But yeah. even so, with all that said, I don't really dislike a lot of the songs on the record, but I don't revisit it that much either. So that's I, what I, I'll say. I agree. It's um I don't think I don't think it's their I don't know if it's I don't know if it's even necessarily their strongest record. Yeah. Um, but I think it's an important record for their career because it was a bold it was a bold step for them to do that record when they did. Yeah. Because it was it was kind of a moment for the just just like when they did, we'll talk about it in in, in later when they oh, did yeah. the haunting party. Oh yeah. Like it was it was a bold step for them to be like, we have this like identity as being this hard rock like new metal band and we don't want to be defined by that. And Meteora pushed their I think softer sonic approaches enough that they they that what they did on Minutes of Midnight worked well for the people that really got the band yeah. um, and stuck with them and and yeah it's and and I think there's some brutal honesty on that record like the opening you know the opening track Given mm-hmm. Up that yeah. song especially now is really hard to listen to but yeah. it's also there's something, you know, there's something about that song and that that pure, unadulterated, like, anger in that song that is, it's therapeutic in its own way. Yeah. And it's also, but it's also, there's a part of me, there's that, there's a part of me that listened to that song and be like, man, like, he was, like, Chester was trying to tell us, to tell us something like that, like, and, and I, that's what I think about, like, I, I think anyone who truly I mean, suicide is a thing that I don't think anyone, we, we, we never truly understand it. No. And there's no, there's no way to understand it. Um, but, and, but I, and so I, there's, there's something about people expressing it, even if it's in a, even if it's in an angry way, if they're at least, it, like, I think a song like that, I guess I'll just say this, like whatever, whatever it means for you now or however you look at it now, like it's important that people express them that, that sentiment in some way so that that conversation can be had more openly. Agreed. And I think that's, I think that's the most I can say about that, that song. And that record, I think ultimately was a good step of maturity for them to not get latched into, to be boxed into something. So. Oh yeah, Totally. It's funny you mentioned that song being the hard one for you to listen to, because for me, and let me preface, like, talking about, we're going to talk about the Dead by Sunrise side project album real quick that Chester Bennington did between uh, uh, Thousand Suns and Minutes to Midnight. Um, I love this record when it came out. I still love it, like, but I I was full on board with Lincoln Park Train at that point. Like, I played the shit out of this. I had just got my first car. Like, this was a big deal to me. But um, I re- I revisited it after Chester passed, and I forgot really, like, there's some stuff on here, like, In the Darkness, uh, My Suffering, Too Late, like, he was really, like, he was trying to put it out there for a while, and this record actually now is kind of hard for me to listen to, but wow. I still love it, like, the, his vocal performance on this, which, which is what drew me into it when I was, you know, younger, yeah. still stands strong, and I... I adore this record. I always will. Like I just got to be in the mood not to hear it. 
Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on it? Like, it seems like it's not talked about that much. I, I, I remember when he did started doing Duck Dead by Sunrise. I, at the time, I wasn't super into it, but yeah. I still checked it out because I loved Chester. And then same thing, I revisited it after he passed. And, um, I, I have not, I've not revisited it in a, in a while and really given it a good listen. So I, I probably will listen to it in the future. Cause I, I, I liked, I liked a lot of what he was like going for. It was a little more, it was a little more of a more aggressive offshoot of what they were doing on minutes to midnight. Yeah, but it was it still had a little more of the, the pissed off, like raw rock and roll on that one. Oh yeah. Oh, my my suffering off. is like a punk song. Yeah. So. so we'll say that. Now let's let's get into the one. This is was, I think this is their most divisive record. And this one, I remember at the time, I can't tell you how many people when I was in school heard this and went Lincoln Park's done. That's it. Yes. It's, it's yes. done. It's exactly. over. It's a thousand suns. Exactly. That's, that's that's where it ends. But I remember actually being kind of excited. I really liked the Catalyst when I first heard it, and this record has really grown on me over the years. Like, I never disliked it, but I didn't get it at first. But Same. it grew. It grew, yeah. and that's a mark of a great album, I think. I think I think this one and Living Things is a really weird spot because again, it's it's where like they really they really test their their fandom. Yep. And so and and so the, and it's it's really especially like a thousand suns was their most electronic, their most hip hop heavy, their most yep. experimental, like the concept album, the whole concept of it. Oh yeah. Really cool. I've actually been coming back to that record a lot lately, as uh, with playing around with ideas that I've got for my own stuff. And that record is like probably almost like maybe like tied with Meteora, or it's like it nice. maybe it, it might be like A Thousand Sons of Meteora, like are truly my favorite records because A Thousand Sons is one of those records where like I, if I'm going to listen to it, I want to sit down and like experience the whole thing. Oh yeah. Because you can't jump around. It's it, and it's and again, it's it's they they're doing they're doing electronic production. So I mean, you could say it's poppy, but it's dark. You it's, know, it's it's aggressive. It's, like it's very yeah. Wretches and like, Kings is an aggressive electronic yes, song. Yes, and so yeah, and that was a that was like kind of a that was again kind of I think if you if you understand the the. The, the fusion of the, of the hip-hop culture and the metal culture that we talked about on Hybrid Theory, oh, yeah. you understand that their musical experimentation is more about the, the heart essence of it and not the actual instrumentation. And, the, and so A Thousand Sons was really them say, like, that was, that was 2008? 2010. Because I, I had actually just got, it was funny, I had just moved to Minneapolis Oh, nice. To, yeah, to go to a Christian college when that album came out. Oh, God, and, I was still in high school. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and it, it's funny because, you know, I um, I remember having a conversation with my roommate uh, right after that when the catalyst, the catalyst had just come out. So the album wasn't even out yet. And, you know, and like they're the, the, um, it's the, the chorus of God save us, everyone, while we burn inside the th- fires of a thousand suns, which is a reference to like the Hindu scripture of the Bhagavad Gita, which right. what, which is what Oppenheimer references at the beginning of that album. And and it's funny because I remember like listening to that song with my roommate and and again being at a Christian college, it's like, well, a thousand sons is obviously a, a reference for hell. 
and like now and then now it's like oh no it's it's actually it's a completely different religious reference like and it's also <laughs> and also you realize that the album is about a nuclear holocaust and that the a thousand sons <laughs> is referring to like a nuclear blast a nuclear yep. holocaust and so that and like especially that album especially i come back to a lot lately because they i think that was their one of their most pissed off at the politics of the time oh yeah albums. oh yeah and they, they were very vocal about you know we were at the end of the bush era and the beginning of the obama era and like whatever your polit you know basically whatever your political views were at the time it was we were steeped in the iraq war and the afghanistan war and still still kind of freshly dealing with the fallout of 9-11 i think yeah. we were about a decade in from a post 9-11 culture and we were just like like our our that that kind of age group of the people that were kind of influencing us were just like the fuck is going on here yeah. like and so that's really like what that record was and i think that record opened a lot of doors for me like just philosophically yeah so. i got it a little more than most people did at first i think cuz i'd grown up with stuff like the wall by pink floyd so <laughs> i was familiar with concept albums at that point so <laughs> but uh i don't know like i just took there was a lot in there like to wrap my mind around like you said like the political side of things and the nuclear holocaust i got that right away but I wasn't sure how all of it played together. But then I stopped looking at it as a story. It just kind of, it's a set of tracks to kind of accompany a theme. Like, yeah. like The Wall, yeah. every song is a, is part of the story. Like, like, Iridescent, you can take out of the story as just a song. Yeah. You can take the messenger out of the story as just a song. Whereas, you know, with The Wall, it's a little harder to do that. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Like, this is my second favorite Linkin Park album. And... <laughs> My favorite Linkin Park song is on here. The Messenger, I think, is the best Linkin Park yeah, song. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say like that. That's also the thing where it's like you you have a true bravery of experimentation, and then to end that whole record, I I have a thing, especially for records that have that one track that's just complete, like gonna completely say fuck you to the rest of the album's theme, right? And have this, you know, really kind of like electronic like almost like weird like punk punk influenced electronic album and then end it with just a stripped down acoustic track just piano guitar and voice just chester i think that might be one of chester's best vocal performances oh my god to have it i i I get chills when he hits those high notes exactly and and again the simplicity of the lyrics of just like when life leaves us blind love keeps us kind you're just like Fuck, yeah. Like, yeah. That was the first thing I played after he passed, and that was what I posted on Facebook, too, that day. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's it means a lot now, even more still, even more after he passed. It's mm-hmm. a great song. I'm actually glad, like, you can find performances of him doing it. Linkin Park did get to do that song while he was alive, so. I think, yeah, I think actually um, on the second anniversary of his death, just like last week, I posted, a, uh, like, a clip of him playing it on the radio. Because I've I've uh, I've wanted to do like a Lincoln Park cover, but I also like just haven't brought myself to do it yet because it's, it means a lot to me. And a I lot to unpack there now. And, I, and yeah, that and I'm like I'm very ambivalent about doing covers. Like, and I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want it to come across as like, oh, he's just doing it because because like to try and cash in on Chester's memory. And it's like. <laughs> I don't think you I'll, are. I'll, I'll like, do yeah, I'll, do it. I'll like, do it when I'm ready to do it, I it, think. Yeah. Like, knowing you, though, knowing who you are, if you really, like, if people really know who you are, 
they know you're not cashing in. They know you really are like loving or passionate about this yeah. music. So yeah. yeah. It's not like, and I mean, no disrespect to Tom Petty whatsoever. I like some of his music. I like a lot of his music, but I wasn't a Tom Petty super fan. So for me to do a Tom Petty cover as an R.I.P., that would be a little dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like you love Linkin Park. So I think you yeah. should do it personally. Yeah, for sure. Um, or, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. Yep. Living Things. This okay. was, a lot of people saw this as a comeback record, and I kind of yeah. have to agree. Uh, I was really excited for it at the time. My dad actually got into this album. Like, he heard Burn It Down on the radio, and he used to not like the music I listened to, but he had, he had a CD of this before I did. So, <laughs> yeah, I dig this album, man. I love uh, Lies, Greed, and Misery, Lost in the Echo, uh, Castle of Glass, uh, Roads Untraveled victimized yeah. which victimized to me that's the link to the next record but yes, i wanted to say sure. um i used to think the second half of this album was shit i thought everything after victimized sucked but i listened to this yesterday for the first first time since 2013 and i can confidently 100 percent say this is their best album for me i love everything on it really now. yeah like i don't know what it is i hear a very strong nine inch nails influence on it which i love I love the sequencing on this record. I love the electronics. Chester's vocals are incredible. Mike's doing a little more singing. And this this is their best record for me. Wow. Yeah. All right. I, um, yeah, so it, it's funny because they, I, I like, in, in full honesty, I felt like they lost me a little bit on A Thousand Sons before I really, like, went and read and really truly got that album later. Yeah. But lit, yeah. There was something about living things that when I heard that record, um, I like it, 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 and again, it's weird because it's not, again, it's not a heavy guitar record. It's no. not, it's still, it's still very much in like the vein of electronic music, but it sounds it sounds almost more Lincoln Park than either A Thousand Suns or almost Minutes to Midnight even did. Oh yeah, and and, and it's and it's just weird, and and that's what really challenges my idea of like what a band's sound actually is, right? Um, you know, and like and and so yeah, Living Things like like Lost in the Echo is like one of my favorite Lincoln Park songs. Yes, um, and that album like it start and I, I agree like it starts out and then like it really has a good momentum up until about victimized or about halfway through yeah <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of has a, a teeter totters a little bit but yeah. then i love i think it closes strong i love oh, yeah. power of this. Mm-hmm. and um yeah like burn it down is like my, actually my least favorite track on the album and like probably my least favorite lincoln park song interesting uh, but interesting. Um, yeah like there's some really cool stuff going on on that record and it really it, it felt like it really brought it brought Lincoln Park back into like a bigger conversation in music and I don't know why like I, I don't I don't not really fully understand it but it definitely it definitely seemed like it brought them back from obscurity in some yeah. way my theory is um, people just want something that reminds them of the past a little bit and oh, yeah. as heavy on electronics as a song like burn it down is I think you nailed it in saying is it sounds more like Linkin Park than the last two records did. And I think people really appreciated that. People really gravitated towards it because of that. And then Castle of Glass, you know, you could kind of say it's almost got like a bit of, you know, a link between Castle of Glass and a song like Breaking the Habits. So I feel like that helped too. But Castle? Sorry, oh, go no, ahead. Yeah. 
Well, well let's finish Castle of Glass first, then we'll get to my next part. Okay, yeah, so Castle of Glass, I think, is such an interesting song because it's almost got, like, I always feel like it's got this weird, like, southern, like, roots rock vibe to it. I never thought of that, but I hear it now. I can hear like, it now, like, like when the drums kick in. Yeah, like like the way it's got like that. Like it's very, it's very like it's 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 not it's not it's not like American folk. It's almost like a it's almost like a um. It's it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, but whenever I hear that song, it makes me think of like deep south, like like blues or something like that. I think is like there's a deep influence. There's a influence in there somehow because of the way it just has the hard downbeat with like a good groove, and it's very like the the melody really drives that song. It's almost like it's almost like a hymn or like, like a gospel hymn. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Dude, you like because like cause you, you could just sit there and be like, take me down to the riverbed. Take me down to the fighting end. Yeah, that's what that's what it, it's like. It's like old school, like 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 gospel blues, where it's like if you if you got nothing else but your your clapping and and your your voice. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That wow, like I'm now. I kind of want to rearrange that song <laughs> just for funsies, just for funsies. But the thing I was gonna say is, I remember when I got the album. I remember hearing "Victimized" and going, huh, "I wish the album had more songs like this." And uh, it's like and the Lincoln Park Ferry. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta be honest. When this one came out, I listened to it. Um, I, like, I had a friend, like, send me a download of it. And at the time, I was really starting to get into, like, different type of alternative music. Like, Nick Cave and yeah. the Bad Seeds, The Cure, uh, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen. So yeah. I kind of thought I'd grown out of this. So <laughs> I didn't really give this album a fair shot until after Chester passed. I got it for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and I listened to it. I remember going, "Fuck, I was a moron." This thing is amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what's funny is this album came out while I, we were both at MI. Yep. So I remember actually listening to this album in one of the practice rooms at MI with uh, our friend Nick. Hell yeah, <laughs> Nate, Nate, not Nick. Sorry, Nate. Nate. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. We Sorry, love you, Nate. man. <laughs> we love you. Also, Nate, is Shattered Systems over, or are you guys going to put out more music? What <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fuck happened to Shattered Systems, man? If you, uh, if anyone listening is a prog metal fan or symphonic metal fan, check out fucking Shattered Systems, because they have a dope-ass prog metal album. They do. They do. Don't get that shit. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, this thing, yeah, I missed out. I love Rebellion, and I thought it was really cool to see them do it at the Tribute concert, actually, and bring out Darren from System of Down to do it with yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, and guilty all the same is just intense. I love that Dude, song. When well, th- I remember, I remember. Actually, I just played um, on it. I was on a we. I went on a local metal show for a local radio station here, and I played guilty all the same. Nice. I don't think he had heard it, and it is one of like guilty all the same was like if you wanted just old school Lincoln Park, but but new. That's what that song yeah. was. Where it was like, you want the rapping, you want the screaming, you want just the heavy guitar. Here it is. And then, and so, and there was two things about that song that really stood out, which was one, 
it's got the that, that whole album has a rougher production. Oh yeah. And so that what I thought was ballsy too. And they've done all this like really slick electronic production. They're like, guess what? We're gonna do a fucking rock record, and it's not gonna be polished at all. Like the guitars are gonna be dirty. Like like the the drums are gonna be a little rough. And like the whole production on that album sounds. And and they even said like if they hadn't done hybrid theory, that's the album they probably would have made. Mm. And, 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 it, and, it, and it's weird because like, like sonically, it sounds like a precursor to hybrid theory. It does. It does. And, 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 and I remember it pissing so many people off because like one of the first comments I heard when guilty all the same came out was someone was like, this sounds like it was recorded in garage band or like, is this the final master? Like what's going on here? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, guys, this is just what, like, raw production sounds like when you're not used to listening to fucking radio pop. Right. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's a good fucking record. Yeah, it's just a and, raw rock album. And then, and then, you know, and then you've got, and then you've got that bridge with fucking Rock Him on it. Oh, my God. That, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, at the time, I still had not super dived into hip-hop culture, so I did not know who Rock Him was. <laughs> and... And like and like basically hearing like the story that like Mike Mike called Rock him up and was like, Yeah, dude, so like really the song is just about how we kind of just feel like we feel like rock is really just like losing a lot of its spirit and like we're not really sure where it's going. And Rock Him is like, Man, I feel the same way about hip hop. Like he's like like Rock Him is just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with hip hop right now. And I think I think like, I think and like shortly after that, hip hop started to go through a really good renaissance. Yeah, and, and like because that's when I I think like Kendrick, like, I Kendrick, dude, Kendrick, I think brought a really great hip hop revival. Childish Gambino is doing some really great stuff. Oh, I yeah. just listened to the newest Tyler the Creator record. Oh and, man, like, okay. really great stuff happening in hip hop. Like, and and that we can we can tangent and talk about hip hop briefly, but oh yeah, but yeah, like that that song was just like. Yes, like, like I, I learned it was like I, you learned, to, I learned to love all the other stuff that they're doing, but then you heard guilty all the same. And you're like, fuck yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. And like, even in the band, like I think when 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 Mike had showed them guilty all the same, like Chester's reaction was just like, yes, this all day, yeah, more of this, let's do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, the only thing that bums me out now is I wish I'd been more into this at the time. I really wish I hadn't been so stupid and like. No, I've got to move on now. I've got to listen to sophisticated music like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Dude, you're a fucking idiot. I need to become a hipster about my music now. I do. I need, to, be, I need to become heavy as fuck. And actually, you know what? That record is what I think this shirt is from. Okay. I'm wearing a Lincoln Park shirt. And shout out to Fan, my uh, friend. Our, our oh, Fan. Yeah. Van Gagan, my original, my singer, when I was working on a band in L.A., she bought me this shirt because she was smart and went to that Lincoln Park show. <laughs> and I did not want to pay $60 to sit in the back of the Hollywood Bowl. And now I really hate that I didn't do that. I was also fucking broke because... We were all broke, man. Yeah, if you, here's the thing. If you're a musician living in Hollywood and going to school, you, you don't have money. You don't go to concerts. I mean, if you if you're a musician, you don't have money to begin with, and yeah. then if you live in Hollywood, you don't have money. So I really could not afford to go, and it was a good show because it was fucking Lincoln Park, Thirty Seconds to Mars, and AFI. Oh yeah, and yeah. I heard it was amazing. It was like 105 degrees that day. Too. Oh shit! That was when we had that really bad like heat wave. 
Oh, you you didn't you don't know nothing. Last summer. Oh, I'm sure. I'm last sure. I got summer? the fuck Oh my god. Yeah, that's because you you continue to live in a state that is constantly on fire. So. Oh yeah. Well, I moved to San Diego now, and it's a little cooler here. There you go. Yeah. See, and then I'm back in Nebraska, where we're we keep uh, basically wondering if it's gonna just become a, a swamp. I think Link, I think the Midwest is trying to become a swamp with all the flooding <laughs> that we've had lately. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hunting party. Great fucking record. Real great return to form. return to form in a way, yeah. but also them keeping the innovation alive. So, and I gotta say, before we go into this next one, um, we're we're, we're gonna kind of. I feel like we can't talk about this next record without talking about what ultimately happened to Chester. I feel like yeah. they're so intertwined, so we'll kind of combine that part of the conversation. Okay. But uh, so hunting party happened. I got into my hipster. Bullshit, though, because I thought it would make me a better writer. It didn't. But years passed. Um, I, I stopped being a fucking moron. One, one thing that really helped was a uh, uh, shout-out to my fiancé. Love you, Mara. Uh, she kind of brought me back around. She really loves pop-punk and stuff like that, and I started to appreciate simpler music again. Like, and I don't want to say Linkin Park is simpler, but it's not all, you know... Like, Nick Cave is very dark. Tom Waits is very dark. It's not all like that. It doesn't need to be like that. And I hadn't even thought about Linkin Park at the time. Like, I was aware this was coming out. Um, I don't even think I bothered to listen to Heavy when that was a single. But I do remember, like, all the ne- there was very much a negative reaction and buzz around the album. Mm-hmm. And I think I just kind of said to myself, oh, I should pick that up at some point. Maybe I'll like it. And then Chester passed. And I hate to say it, but that's when I finally picked it up and... It makes the album all that much more bittersweet because I actually really like this record, yeah. and I don't think it's losing him that's playing a part in that either. Because I've gone back and revisited this thing, and I still like it. Um, it is very different. It is very poppy in a sense, but I love the songwriting. Well, to be honesty, I love Battle Symphony. I love Halfway Right. One more yeah. night, we played at my sister's funeral, and that's always going to have a connection to me. And sharper edges. It's just, I, I hate that it took him taking his own life to make me sit up and listen again. And that yeah. kind of bums me out. To make a lot yeah. of people listen to this album. Like, did you listen before before he took his own life? Did you listen to this? I, and did you have any thoughts at the time? Yeah, so, like, admittedly so. I And actually, this, it, this album had sort of an interesting phase for me, too. Or an interesting assimilation, too. Because, um... At the time, so without without saying too much for the sake of privacy of right. individuals, I at the time this album came out, I worked at a rehab facility. Right. And one of the one of the clients there basically was a huge Lincoln Park fan. And mm-hmm. it was really inspiring because he was actually an older gentleman, like probably almost in his like fifties. Oh wow. And yeah. And it was actually just really, really cool to see him connecting with this music. And that that was what truly I think reminding me that oh like like chester is someone who's gone through abuse drug abuse like like self like his his, the fame the idea of fame like the destructiveness of drugs like so people who get that they they connect with chester right and so that was really that was really inspiring to see an older, like an older gentleman, like using like that music, like music that like got me through a lot of dark times, 
like he's literally using it to like help himself through therapy. That was really, really powerful. And, um, when this album started coming out, I think I remember hearing heavy and, and this was all like, this got like, it's not like I stopped following Lincoln park, but be like life just got busy that I couldn't keep up with bands the way I used to. Okay. All right. Um, Fair enough. Like, like, you know, like, and again, like, like when Lincoln park, was really like in, in middle school and all that, like I would follow Lincoln Park on MySpace and could kind of like I had the time and the availability right. yeah. to so so as I you know, as I grew up, like I'm following other bands and like you, you don't always have the time to stay up to date. And I, I wasn't really connected on like Instagram or something like that quite yet. And now I kind now I'm kind of as I'm using as I'm using those things to stick to connect with people through my own music, um, I'm understanding like the importance of kind of different technologies and staying up to date with bands that truly mean a lot to you. Oh yeah. And so, and, uh, so I, I think I had heard heavy, like kind of out of nowhere and it might've been like a studio version too. Cause I think they were doing something and it was just Mike and Chester and then Kiara. Okay. Um, and, I know what you're talking about. I've seen a video of this. I know exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And I had like heard that and I was like, Oh, this is an interesting song. Like, and it's real. And I, and like, songwriting wise it was very simple and stripped down which is again i think mike as a songwriter is able he's one of those people that he's a true songwriter and that he knows how to just make good melodic and harmonic structure work and the more and this is again one of those albums that they like it should not the, the fact that they did this album should not have been as surprising to people as it was like where it's like, it's like, okay, like, yeah, like they just did the hunting party and then they followed up with like one more light. Like, okay. It's literally what they did with meteor to minutes to midnight. And then all this stuff, like it should not be that surprising that they did complete 180. Like, and what, what I found out actually is about the, uh, the, the production process for this album, they basically crafted all the melodies first and then really just honed in on the melodies that they really liked and then started constructing the tracks around those. So that's why I think Mike and Chester's vocals really shine on that record Oh yeah, because they really crafted it from a vocal standpoint. And that, and that's something I really respect too, where it's like, it's not, it's not my, it's not like a favorite Lincoln park record or like, even like it might be my least, favorite Lincoln Park record but I I respect the hell out of the way that they were like hey like what's another what's a different way we can approach composition and try something new right that means a lot and then and because of it you get songs like um one more light and sharp edges and um talking to myself like you get some really cool stuff on there and even and heavy like I mean for for people who struggle with addiction and and depression like Heavy is a great fucking anthem. It is a true, it is a true, great, truly great, simple, like, the anthem for life, like, for struggling through life. And, 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 uh, yeah, so, like, I remember, like, yeah, in full disclosure, when that album came out, I was not super, I was not super on board with it, and it was probably, it was probably because I had the same reaction I did with A Thousand Songs, where I was like, I know it'll probably grow on me, like I liked Battle Symphony, I liked um, Heavy, and it just didn't strike me right away. And then uh, I knew it was going to take time, 
uh, for it to, to, to sink in. And so I think I tried listening to it a little bit. And then I think right around, like shortly after that album came out, I think it was when Cornell died, when Chris Cornell died. Yep, yep. And so I think that, that, that tune, I tuned into Linkin Park just a little more then and was really paying a little more attention to them and, and kind of as that album cycle was going through and then like watching the, I you know, that, that video, there's two really profound videos that I shared um, that if you can go on YouTube and find them is one is Linkin Park playing One More Light at Jimmy Kimmel Live. Yep. Like, like this, I think is like two weeks after Chris Cornell died, or maybe a week after Chris Cornell died, and Chester Chester's just performance in that video is so powerful, and 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 then a God, like I, I I think I watched that video the day that they day that Chester passed too, and that song like that 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 album is one of those that there there are albums of bands that I like where. I'll admittedly say it's my least favorite album, but there'll, there'll be at least one track on there where it's like, but goddamn, if that's not one of my all time favorite songs by that band. Yeah. And one more light is that album and that song for me with Lincoln park. It's probably my least favorite Lincoln park record, but one more light. The song is like undeniably a powerful song. Right. Even, even, even in, in, in with, had he not, taking his own life like i think it would it would, it would be a powerful be anthem yeah. for anyone who's lost someone it would be totally and and it's like and like yeah i mean for you know months after that like i couldn't listen to that song without breaking up so yeah like i said i got it after he passed and i remember exactly what i was doing when he passed i remember i was working that day i work i have the i'm privileged enough to work from home mm-hmm. so um I was taking a little break. Something was downloading on my computer that I needed to look at. So I was scrolling through Twitter and it just was just starting to break and I didn't want to believe it. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, when, when someone like Bowie or Lemmy passes, it's sad, but I also knew they were getting up there in age, they were having health problems. Yeah. Like, it was like, wait, you know, no, he's about to go on tour, like with 1OK Rock and stuff and yeah. just put out this record. Like, what? what? And yeah. I really like... For a band that I hadn't paid attention to in so long, it really took the wind out of me. And then I remember that weekend I made a trip to a Best Buy to get a physical copy of One More Lights. And I listened to it, and I just... It it, it hurt in a way, like, to hear some of this, because, like, I felt like he was trying to tell us something when I heard the record, but I was like, God damn, like... like it's Yeah, it's not traditional Lincoln Park, but man, there's some really good songwriting here. And I like that you said, like, I didn't know that they built the songs on the melodies, but I can really hear that in my head now how that works like mm-hmm. the music is meant to complement that mm-hmm. and so the record stuck with me i gave it some love and then not to get too personal but like okay so chester passed the end of july in october 2017 my own sister took her life and that was a very hard thing for me to deal with but i was put in charge of music at a funeral and one more light was the song i chose and a lot of people thanked me afterwards for playing And it just, man, I'm sorry. You're, you're fine, man. I don't know, it gave me hope. It yeah. gave me hope. And I'm glad it was a song. Like It, it, it kind of helped my parents in a way, too. They really liked the song. 
So it's an important song to me, and like you said, I'm always gonna love it. I think. I think again, it's the reason or the reason the reason that band is enduring for me is because uh, of the. The, the the poignancy of the lyrics that we've talked about uh, throughout this whole this whole conversation and in the wake of losing someone and the all the bigger questions about life that follow that um, that that line of of who who cares if one more light goes out if we're just if we're just creatures or we're just this and this like well, I do yeah like uh, just a simple resolve to be like you know what yeah I none care. of this none of this fucking makes sense but I I choose to just continue to care yeah. about people and care about whether or not people give a shit in the world so totally. yeah totally and I think yeah. your story is interesting too of where you happen to be when you found out um do you like you didn't talk too much about your immediate reaction. Do you remember kind of like what you did that day? Like, did you, did you like listen to a lot of the music? Did you? Oh, like I, I don't remember if I did it that day, but it was like, I, and like, I was quite literally like, I had no, I had nothing else to do. Like yeah. I literally just locked in a facility for about five, like four more days. And, um, I, that day or that afternoon, I, I might've like gone back to bed or just like eaten dinner and kind of zoned out or tried to read the rest of the day. But the next day I basically was just listening to her. I watched actually their live in Milton Keys oh, nice. performance on YouTube. Um, just cause I was like, and, and, you know, was reading up on it and just following up with, you know, texting people, watching video. I, I just sort of like, I just started like, yeah, going through all of it, all of their music, and just right. processing the whole thing. Yeah. And one thing that was kind of like I don't know, helpful for me through the whole thing, like I immediately like started like listening to stuff again. Um, one thing that really pushed me all the way back in was we'll talk about this briefly. Lincoln Park, one more light live. <laughs> this last thing they put out. Um, there's like eight songs from the album on here, and then there's like some older stuff. It was a big part of me like going back and listening to the catalog again, like, it's a great live record. I just played it in the car today. It's fantastic. Um, great version of One More Light on here. Great version of, a piano version of Crawling. That, that, I love, I, that, that was the most, I, I only, like, listened to that album, like, once. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that live version of Crawling, especially if you watch the video where Chester's just kind of in the audience with everyone around him singing it. Yep is very powerful. And, you know, oh, you know, I was actually going to say that's the other thing is, uh, uh, another really powerful performance. If you, if you go find it is there's a video, there's a great video recording of them playing crawling live and Chris Cornell comes out and sings the second verse. And then, like, oh, wow. sings, yeah. And so he and Chester sing the whole song and that's that, that is something that is just eerily powerful given the circumstances. Yeah, I got a chill just thinking about yeah. that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah. And there's you know, there's there's something about 
there's something about the death of, of artists in, in, especially when their careers are at the height of what they do and you don't understand it. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I was going to say there, but yeah, I know I get it. It's, it's still something like that's hard to process. Like sometimes I think, you know, it feels like he should still be here. Like I can make sense of David Bowie being gone. Yeah. I can't make sense of Chester, of Chester Bennington being gone. It doesn't seem yeah. like a thing that should be yet. Yeah. But it is. And I feel yeah. like his loss was really felt like, not just because, you know, he's, he's the least singer of his band and a lot of people love him. Like, he was such a voice, I think, for our generation. Yeah. Like, it hit a lot of people. Like, even if they were just casual fans that maybe loved, you know, crawling in the end when they were in junior high or something, it still hit hard. It yeah. hit hard. Yeah. And that's why you saw Absolutely. the odd porting you did. That's why, you know, when you look at that Hollywood Bowl concert that they did, you yeah. know, and you hear people, like, singing along to Numb. Like, it's just the band playing it. And yeah. that microphone illuminated. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you watch that live, by the way? Did you actually... I did I did not watch it live. I... I think I watched it, like, a week after or something like that. Okay. Um, I went... I sat and watched the whole thing on YouTube one night. Yeah. Yeah. I remember... I actually watched it live. Me and my fiancé sat down and, like, watched it as it happened and... Man, it was a great tribute. I really thought yeah. so. Um, I thought Derek from Sun 41 did a killer version of Catalyst. Yeah. I think Taka from 1OK Rock was great on Somewhere I Belong. Man, it, it was a really good memorial show. Yeah. And, um, and we'll touch on something on Lincoln Park continuing in a second, but out of all of this also came the Mike Shinoda post-traumatic album, mm-hmm. out of all of this. Mm-hmm. Now... I have trouble being critical of this album just because there's a lot of raw emotion and grief yeah. in this record. So all I'll say is for me, it was a very cathartic record, especially because of what I just went through. Because mm-hmm. I got it, and some of the things he's saying, I'm like, yeah, he's in my head. I get it. I yeah, totally I get that. I feel that way. Um, but there's also a lot of really good songs on here. There's like Watching As I Fall, I think, is an incredible song. And Crossing the Line, Ghosts. Uh, lift off with Chino and Machine Gun Kelly. Like, this is like, you know, if Lincoln Park doesn't continue and he wants to just do a solo career, that, that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, this is a good start to it. It's a it's a great record. Um, it's a very honest record. It's a heavy record, lyrically in some places, but I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I, I haven't revisited it since it came out. I remember listening to it, like, I think, like, the day it came out, um, I went for a walk, and and it was it was one of those things like it, it was it was a heavy record so like like emotionally yeah, and, well, and I remember when he dropped the first single I think oh, which oh. was it was it watching was myself watching as a fall it was or? over and over yeah yeah which I remember when that up. song came out it was like I th- I agree like it was hard to be critical of it but I was just like shit like he's he's still he's still he's still not sure what's next but he he knows that like it was just it was i, I think i shared it on facebook and i was just like this is just the purest like form of honesty art and like this is just mike saying like i i don't know how to make sense of anything right now and all i know how to do is create something to process my thoughts Yep. And that's what I think a lot of that record was, where it's just like, where it's like, it's, it's not a, 
it's not a like you're it's not like it's a like oh this is the time to launch my side project thing it's yep. just mike going guys i don't know what else the, the fuck to do yeah, other it, than make, totally make like, music and share it with you yeah, like, so I, that we can work on it so that yeah. i can move on and like yeah and this is so how i'm feeling this is yes. how i deal with what i'm feeling usually yeah. so here you go and so, and so that yeah i i listened to that record like i think a couple times when it first came out I have not come back to it since. I just remember it being, I remember it just being emotionally powerful for whatever yeah. it's worth. Yeah. And I get that. It's not an easy record to put on. Like a lot of it isn't, you know, like you have to be almost in a mood to hear some of these songs. Yeah. And I, yeah. Do, and I do remember when it first came out, I did put it away for a couple weeks just cause it's hard to go through some of those emotions for me, but I put it on yesterday for the first time since last year. And it holds up, I think. Like, I think, you know, like, there are some songs that are obviously dealing with the grief, but there are some songs that, you know, where you can just look at it and go, damn, he's still got it, man. Yeah. Like, I yeah. you, like, his rapping on that is just killer and liftoff. Yeah, and- I think I think he, I, I will say, like, I think Mike has progressively gotten better as a standalone rapper. I think, I think back in the day, he, his rap skills were just where they needed to were just what they needed to be to make Lincoln Park work. But I think he's I think he's legit really come into his own as a as a good standalone MC. Oh yeah. Totally. And one last thing before we like get to like I want to close this by talking about like Lincoln Park's future, but okay. one thing I forgot I realized I forgot to touch on, um Fort Minor. Um I gotta be honest, I didn't know this existed till last year. I still haven't heard it. You're gonna drive the boat on this one, Luke. What do you think uh, of Fort Minor? So, so I'm going to I'm gonna say this as a um, oh no. I this is this is not my thought. This is also okay. So when when Fort Minor first came out, I was again not a huge hip hop fan. So, <laughs> I know what so it was more so it was sort it was sort of just younger me being like, well, this hip hop and like and there there's a whole bunch like I I don't have time to dissect my my like the way hip hop culture was formed in my brain as yeah. a like white conservative evangelical kid. Hip hop had a lot of stigmas that were ingrained in me, and once those went away, I've finally been able to like realize what an art form it is. Like I, I, I will legitimately credit Kendrick Lamar's "Good Kid, Mad City" as being the breaking point where I, like, I, I went from liking hip hop to truly fucking understanding hip hop as an art form. Right. That album, like that, that album broke down barriers for me, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is genius." Like this is brilliant. Like I and so um, that being said, at the time the <laughs> minor came out, I was like I was I was pretty into it because it still had like the kind of hard hard rhythms of Lincoln Park, but it was obviously more pure hip hop. And oh, I yeah. posted on uh, Facebook. I think this is early days of Facebook. I was like, <laughs> I was like Fort Minor. Oh, no. I was like Fort Minor is some of the best hip hop I've ever heard. And, <laughs> My buddy, my my buddy, um, who will remain nameless, but he's also the drummer in my band. <laughs> At the time, everybody look up Griff Octopus. Everybody look up Griff Octopus, and if you figure out who my drummer is, you'll know who said this. Like <laughs> nothing against him, I love him. He's a great drummer. 
and he was kind of right. Like, but he uh, he just comments on it and goes, "That's sad." <laughs> and and I've since I, I brought it up to him uh, not that long ago. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. So yeah, so and I brought it up to him not that long ago. He's like, "Yeah, that sounds on brand." And 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 like and he clarified. He's like, "It's nothing against Mike Shinoda. Like Mike Shinoda, like like." Like Mike Snowden does some amazing things, but like, yeah, I think, and I haven't revisited Fort Minor in a couple of years. I, do, I, I would agree though. I don't think it's the greatest hip hop project ever, but there's some cool stuff on there that is, that was good at the time. And I don't know. I haven't revisited Fort Minor in a long time. I think that Mike's solo stuff is better than what he was trying to do with Fort Minor. Okay. Um, because I especially, I, I don't know, I think especially the way, like at the time that he did Fort Minor, I think hip hop was more in a weird phase of mainstream popularity that was really getting away from the true, the like I think true hip hop culture. Yeah. And, and I think that's since gone away and, and, and led to again some of the more experimental and alternative hip hop that we're seeing now. That's um, getting big, and so I think I think if 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 Mike was to go back and like do a Fort Minor record now, it'd be it'd be better. Um, and that maybe just at the time, I don't know if Fort Minor was really. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to revisit it. So yeah. those are, those are my thoughts on Fort Minor. I gotta check it out on my own. Like I said, I didn't know it existed until. Last year, when I was like really reading about the Mike Shinoda solo record, so yeah, I'll just say like to be determined. Um, yeah. But to bring this all home and wrap this up, so there's been some rumblings recently that there there's something coming for Linkin Park. Don't know what it is. I have a few theories. Maybe they're reissuing the albums. Maybe they're remastering. Um, maybe there's a tour of some kind. I don't know what exactly they would do. Would they bring someone in? Would they, you know, I don't know. Hologram thing is popular right now. What do you think? We should kill that what, now. <laughs> what we do you should, think? We should put the whole hologram thing to bed right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the deal hologram. Spoiler alert. If anybody out there is a fan of the deal hologram, good for you. Just look up, look up Hitsune Muku and realize that Japan is basically making AI pop stars, and then you'll realize oh. why we don't need to do this. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. Or watch that Black Mirror episode <laughs> with my little <laughs> Oh, God. No, that shit is creepy. Yeah. Um, but. What would you like to see going forward? I'd personally be okay if they got a new singer. Just as long as they don't purposely try to find someone that apes Chester, like, just get a new singer. I'd be fine with that. What are your thoughts? Do you want to see them move forward? Would you like to see something else? I, I personally am of kind of the exact opposite theory uh, or, or of, your, of what you just said. <laughs> I... I don't think, and, and here's here's what I think is because I don't think there's anything wrong with letting something come to an end, even if it was an unexpected end. Yeah. Like I think something like that, like that, is so clearly defined by certain people. I don't think there's anything wrong with letting it be like, okay, it's time for it's time for this new thing to happen and yeah. let this whole thing go. Um, like, cause I think there's something to be said about when John Bonham died, that was the end of Led Zeppelin. When Freddie Mercury died, that was essentially the end of Queen making new music. Like yeah. Queen still continued to do stuff, but it was like, it was like essentially like 
the essence of Queen is done. Like, and, and it's okay. Well, yes, like that it's band, Queen that band whoever did now. what it needed to do. And I, I really like, I feel like that's kind of what it was like for Lincoln. For like, and again, like Lincoln Park being a band that will define our generation. Um, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying, in being like, listen, like it sucks that this happened, but we're going to let like Lincoln Park is going to be done. And then you have this there. It puts, it puts, I think a beautiful book in yeah. to that, that band's career. And then allows you to move. Like I, I, if I, if, if I were to see anything, I, I think it would be cool to see them put it to bed and then maybe do in like five years or like every so often do like a one-off tour where they do like they did with the, 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 the Hollywood bowl thing. They maybe have guest singers and guest vocalists, or they put Lincoln Park, to, or, or they, if if they decided to continue with Lincoln Park, I would I think that it would be true to form to just see what they could do with the remaining members and not try to replace them, not try and find a new singer, um, and maybe do one final album with just them putting their like their hearts into it. I think if they did, okay. if I think if they did like one final project with everyone just putting their hearts into it and Mike handling the majority of the vocals that <laughs> it would be something special. Um, right. and I think, I think that all of those people, all the, those guys are so in, independently talented that they could all be fine doing their own things. And then, or if they like, they dissolve Lincoln park and they start a new project that's from the ashes of that. Um, but like still, yeah. So, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I it I, I have where you're coming I, from. I do. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got enough I've got enough love and respect for those guys that I think whatever they do, uh, I'll like I'll I'll be on I'll 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 get on board with it or I'll try I'll try and understand right. what they're doing. Right. So yeah. Yeah. No. I I, I like I said I we don't really know what's going to happen and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way like. This could just be a ramp up to do reissues, which wouldn't be a bit a bad thing. Yeah. Wouldn't be a bad thing at all. But yeah, whatever bookend they want to put on it is fine with me. Yeah. Like, the only thing, like I said, like I said, is like if they do it, I don't like sound alike. I like, I'd like someone like just get the best singer for the job. If you're gonna do that. I, I I would agree with that too. Yeah, because I there's been there's been a good handful of bands that I'm huge fans of where the the vocalist so is so the, the the tone of the vocalist is so strongly defining how the band sound that when they try and replace that like every once in a while you know you have like your journey moment where you find some guy from south korea who's exactly <laughs> like yeah. Steve Perry. but i i think also just chester's persona is so iconic that to just find someone who sounds like chester like even if you can like I don't think it would be the same, uh, yeah. and I think if they found someone who could scream and sing with a with a fresh, a reinvigorated passion, and they could craft something new and have it be a new era, that would be a a, 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 cool, a beautiful way to go about it. So I agree. Well, Luke, I have to say this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this dude, it's been a I, lot of fun, and I want you to stick around for a second after we okay. like, say our goodbyes. But you are totally welcome to come back here. People, I want you to go go check out Griff Octopus. 
go check out their Instagram. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug specifically with Griff Octopus? You know? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm just an attention whore who's trying to get followers right now. Um, <laughs> Love I, me. I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm out in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, is my home base. I have an amazing band. It's been a pretty, it's been a pretty awesome year. So I'm just, uh, I'm writing new stuff and getting involved in playing shows. So come out because we like to have fun at shows and yeah, putting new music out. We're starting to write a second album that I think is going to be much more, very much a love letter to bands like Linkin Park and bands that I grew up with. So awesome. Yeah. Be on the lookout for that. All right. Well, people, it's been fun. I think you'll be seeing Luke on this podcast again before the year's over. But for myself and Luke, this has been the Sly Dog Music Cast. Till next time, peace out. Later. When you feel you're alone, cut off from this cruel your instincts telling you to run Listen to your heart Those angel voices They'll say to you Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.